You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, uh, kind of a, a short time span between podcasts, but we're getting ready to kick off the Fresno State season here at home against Connecticut. How has your week been so far getting ready for that game? Yeah, you know, it's finally been a, a game week and a normal one. It's the first one since 2019 where we've been able to attend the Monday coach, the head coach press conference and talk to players on Tuesday and coaches on Wednesdays like we're, we're used to out there at practice. So uh, it's starting to feel a little more real. It's still odd, especially, uh, you know, last August we were all sitting around with no football. So sort of, sort of getting back into the routine a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's finally here, um, and uh, the Bulldogs have a chance to start off the season on a, a really good note against UConn here. Yeah, things are, are uh, finally, finally getting a little bit back to normal. Uh, you know, there's still some some sort of those uh, uh, things going on because of COVID, but they are taking precautions. So hopefully, uh, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Jackson, that we're going to have a full season this year. Uh, are you optimistic that that's going to happen? Uh, do they have the procedures in place to, to keep the season rolling, so to speak? Yeah, I believe so. The team is pretty much almost fully vaccinated as a, as a whole. Um, they're, they're getting there, and uh, that's the case for a lot of schools. So it's about as good as they can get You know, with the vaccinations. There's a lot less uh, risk for the contact tracing that really knocked out a lot of games last year a lot of players, so um, you know, I don't foresee it being too big of a, an issue, and uh, if it is, it's not going to derail the season like it has in the past. Uh, you know, most conferences are talking about uh, teams forfeiting a game if it comes to that, so um, it'll be a little bit of a different scenario this year. There, there won't be any rescheduling or any of that kind of stuff, or uh, long layoffs, I don't think. So, um, so far, so good as far as that's concerned. Everything's a go for a week zero, and and everything looks to be on pace for week one as well next week. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, hopefully things are are gonna you know take a step in the right direction so that we can get things moving, um, and uh, and you know ha- have some normalcy back so that some of these fans can start to feel like things are getting back to normal. And uh, I mean, I for one am ready for football season to begin because it's been a long year, so. Um, uh, but that being said, there has been some other news that have, has been broken, uh, and since the last time we we were on the show, um, first of all, let's, let's go off to the newest, uh, the biggest news that was revealed this past week, uh, was the naming rights of Bulldog Stadium and Jackson, you know, some, some people are on board with this one. Some people aren't, um, what's your, what's your take on this naming rights for Bulldog stadium? Uh, well, ultimately it's going to be a big boost financially for Fresno state for sure. Um, they're going to get $10 million over 10 seasons from Valley children's uh, healthcare, uh, which is, uh, certainly nothing to sneeze at when you're talking about the, the budget right now, it's been a tough year the last year. And I know Fresno state has been, 
uh, wanting to do a naming rights deal for the past couple of years, and this was the one that they finally got done here, and the timing couldn't be better, given the some of the shortfalls from last year without Bulldog Stadium being filled with ticket holders. Uh, the deal they got is relatively uh, impressive compared to the Mountain West. Uh, I know Boise State, their stadium is named after Albertsons. Their deal came in around 830000 a year. Uh, that was signed about seven years ago, so you figured with some inflation even that accounted for the Bulldogs have got a better deal here. Uh, the, 10 million, uh, the 10 seasons also gives the Bulldogs a little flexibility. Most of these deals seem to be for 15 years, um, and, and usually when the deal ends, you can re-sign a new deal for more money, so that's uh, shorter is usually better in that sense. Uh, San Jose State's one, they have a credit union at their local area that signed a deal of about half a million, a little bit over that. So uh, by all accounts, Fresno State's got a good deal here. And I know some people have um, been concerned perhaps about the optics of uh, the children's health care <laughs> donating such a, a sum oh, yeah. to college football. But uh, if you look at some of their financial reports, I mean, they, they put a lot of money back to the community. It's upwards of $40 million that, um, at least before COVID, that would go to various things around the community, school districts, and uh, health campaigns, and um, you know, trying to get the word out on certain issues and getting people informed about how to stay healthy. So uh, this is going to be another thing. I'm sure you'll see a lot of uh, uh, of that kind of stuff being shared throughout game day on the scoreboard and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's all a part of their greater um, goal of not just uh, attending to those right there in the hospital, but also improving the community. And um, you know, Fresno State football is a big piece of the community, and uh, this money was sorely needed. So um, I think there's enough to go around. It's a, a small amount in, in the greater scheme of what they do. Yeah, so I guess what people are are, are kind of uh, kind of thrown back by is uh, Valley Children's could have used that money for for you know healthcare, but uh, if you think about it, Valley Children's does use uh, does have a budget for. Um, you know, getting the message out and, and advertising. And so they're going to basically, I, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, they're going to be using Bulldog Stadium as as one of those vessels of getting the word out uh, because, you know, 40,000 people is nothing to sneeze at. You're, you're getting out in front of a huge crowd and, and just spreading the word of what Valley Children's is all about. So if I'm taking, if I'm taking what you're saying correctly, that's what this whole thing is all about, right, Jackson? Yeah, and I'd imagine even beyond the attendance, they'll have uh, some advertising opportunities uh, with just about every Bulldog games on TV these days. So uh, there's that as well. And uh, they haven't announced the name of the stadium, but um, it's going to be something to do with Valley Children's right on the, the title. So that's going to be the known, just as you would know, the Save Mart Center for basketball or a concert. Um, you know, typically... Uh, when schools, at least with football, the pride and tradition is so great, they try to incorporate some of the past um, naming into the new name. So I would anticipate we see something along the lines of Jim Sweeney Field at Valley Children's being the, uh, at Valley Children's Stadium being the sort of extended <laughs> name so that Fresno State, as their uh, history included, and the new naming rights partner is. Uh, right there in the uh, the headline when you're talking about the stadium. 
So I'm guessing it's going to be something right around uh, Bulldog Stadium by Valley Children's or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one can never uh, assume anything because it could be just Valley Children's Stadium. Who, who knows? Uh, hmm. But we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see as, uh, you know, they'll probably make the announcement at, uh, you know, this this Saturday, this weekend at the home opener. So uh, we'll find out what it, the actual name is going to be. Uh, but also related this week, Fresno State unveiled their starting lineup for this week's game. Um, is it everything you thought it was going to be, or, or did someone sneak in there, Jackson, that you weren't aware about? Yeah, you know, it was largely along the lines with what we discussed last week. And it was funny because there was uh, two things that caught my eye. And I asked uh, both Coach DeBoer and Coach Grubb, they were offensive deals, and they both clarified, oh, you know, that, that guy was hurt. Uh, and when we made the depth chart, now he's back. And, and oh, no, that, that one hasn't been decided for sure. We just put that there for the time being. So uh, one of those was the backup quarterback on the depth chart they gave out. It has Logan Fife. Uh, they said that that battle was still going this week between him and the true freshman, Jalen Henderson. And then the other one was at the offensive line. Uh, if you look at the official depth chart, they've got Matt Smith at center and Foolish Schmidt at right guard. Um, it's more of a three-man competition for those two spots where uh, Schmidt and Smith are both competing for center, and then Foolish Schmidt and Dante Adkins is competing. Uh, they are competing for right guard. Adkins uh, was banged up a little bit when they drew up the depth chart last week, but he's been healthy and battling uh, for that spot this week, and they've been rotating, so... Um, you know, you would like to have the, the starting five pretty much pinned down, but that's been a, still a work in progress this week on the old line. Um, on defense, one of the few surprises, um, you know, not necessarily a surprise, but just the fact that they outright put Aaron Mosby at the starter at defensive end with Kwame Jones as the second team guy. I kind of assumed it would say or there is something they do to kind of um, bridge between two guys that are evenly um, on the depth chart, but uh, Mosby appears to have really taken even a farther jump than expected. Um, Jones was uh, terrific with his pass rush last year, so uh, he's going to be one of the, the strongest second-team defensive ends across the country, and I'm sure that uh, he will be rotated in there uh, a significant amount. Um, another one is uh, at safety. Um, we were talking about how Elijah Gates, the UCLA transfer, is probably going to be a, one of the stars of this defense, and uh, they've got him listed as a starter or Kosi Agina, who's just a sophomore from Sanger. Uh, we knew he was kind of going to be in that mix and that rotation one way or another, but it looks like he's passed up some of the other guys like uh, LJ Early or Deontay Perry this off season. Um, so Agina is really going to be in the mix there. And um, yeah, those, everything else was pretty much right along the lines we expected. Uh, Leonard Payne we talked about is, probably the most impressive of the defensive tackles not named Kevin Atkins, that he was given that starting spot. He earned it. Um, a big rotation behind him, but you should expect to see. And, um, you know, just some other things that the depth chart can't quite uh, encapsulate, like a receiver. They've got six receivers listed. Maury Edwards is not one of them, but you can expect him to play a lot. Same with Magdalena. Uh, so, um, it's not the end-all, be-all, but uh, I think it's probably about 90% accurate or so. And um, uh, There's a lot of – I don't think there's going to be too many other guys that kind of uh, 
surprise over the next couple of weeks other than some of the ones I mentioned. Uh, another one is tight ends where freshman Trey Watson's not listed. They only put two tight ends on the depth chart, and there's going to be four or five that probably play. So, um, yeah, just a few small things, but uh, overall uh, right about what we were looking for. Yeah, so that's uh, it's going to be – it's going to be fun to watch some of these guys get out there and start and start competing this season. Um, but uh, again, the, you know, first game of the season, not really know what to expect, especially having the year we had last year with uh, COVID and and uh, and of course the turnover the the Bulldogs did. But here we are, week what week one uh, against Connecticut and the. What are they? The Huskies? Yeah, they're the Huskies, right, Jackson? They're, yeah, <laughs> they're coming. Uh, yeah, I, I try to keep all these straight, but sometimes you know there's way too much information in my brain. Sometimes to remember everybody's mascot, but the Huskies are coming to town. Uh, Fresno State m- is matching up against them, and I believe they are favored to win this game, right, Jackson? Yeah, and it's not a small number. Um, right now, it's hovering about twenty-eight points for the Bulldogs to win by four touchdowns. So. Um. Yeah, even Fresno State coming off of a three and three season, and the year before that being four and eight, expected to be uh, big time favorites against UConn coming in here for. Um, and with this being week zero, there's only five uh, college football games on Saturday, so uh, a lot of eyes should be on this one, and uh, we'll see if the Bulldogs live up to the expectations. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to see if the Bulldogs can can manage that kind of a point spread, uh, but uh, you know that's uh, that's what the experts are, are predicting. Let's see, let's see if the Bulldogs can uh, can have that kind of a, a win margin margin happen here at Bulldog Stadium. Uh, and to do so, Jackson, let's go ahead and start to kind of look into what the matchups are going to be. So let's start off with Fresno State's offense versus Connecticut's defense. So let's start off, uh, go ahead and start off by talking about the Fresno State offense first and then heading into their defense and see what, what you come up with. Yeah, um, so Fresno State this year, I mean, they've got just about all the pieces back from last year's offense, which has, of course, Ronnie Rivers just, being dynamic out of the backfield and a passing game that put up a ton of numbers. Uh, really, the only weak point of the offense was pass protection. Uh, Jake Hanner took quite a few sacks last season in a, a short amount of time. And um, with so many of the same players being back, we anticipate some of the same things. We'll, we'll hope to see the O-line take a step forward, and um, we'll see if that's the case. But Fresno State does have the ability to be a balanced team. They have the ability to get the ball in the Ronnie Rivers' hands a ton and uh, Jordan Mims and maybe other few backs and be more of a running team if they want to for, from week to week. Or they could, I mean, I don't know how much we'll see it, but they could sure be like the, the Derek Carr teams of 2013 and put three or four receivers out there and, and spread it out. And, um, you know, those were teams that just took advantage of one-on-one matchups with when you had receivers like Devontae Adams and Isaiah Burris and Josh Harper. And I think they have the kind of receivers on this team that can do that as well. So um, as long as the O-line shapes up, uh, they can pretty much attack teams however they see fit. Uh, UConn is a, a 4-3 defense, and uh, UConn is in an odd situation because they did not play football last year. They, uh, they went from the American Athletic Conference to the Big East. Uh, they are more known for being a basketball school, and they wanted to get back to some of those Big East uh, 
uh, rivalries and matchups and the footprint that they were they had there before. Uh, but that meant sending their football team into independence. And because all the conferences basically said that they were only going to play conference opponents last year, uh, they had no one to play. So there's a, a little bit of a mysterious factor with this team that they haven't played for two years. At the same time, uh, you know, considering Fresno State and UConn have no history, uh, UConn actually played Indiana in 2019, which is where head coach Kalen DeBoer was offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator William Inch was the special teams coordinator the Hoosiers that season. So they actually uh, have about as good of a feel as possible for this team uh, that's coming in the Bulldog Stadium. And especially Coach DeVore looking at this defense. So he'll know how to attack. Um, His Indiana team had a very balanced offense when they played uh, two seasons ago. They passed 28 times and ran uh, 40 times and put up 38 points in a blowout win and had uh, about 425 yards, I think. So I think that kind of puts the blueprint for what Fresno State will probably do here. Um, When you look at what UConn brings um, athletically, uh, they do not have a lot of seniors across the board. Um, Even with their being super seniors, uh, they've got one technically listed senior in the starting lineup on defense, the linebacker Omar Fort. Uh, they've got a really big defensive line. Travis Jones at tackle is six foot five and three hundred thirty-three pounds. He's going to be uh, an issue for an interior bulldog offense. That if you have Matt uh, Smith starting, is going to be particularly small. Um, they've got uh, six foot five defensive end Eric Watts, uh, another six foot four tackle. So they've got uh, really big guys on the D line and. Uh, Jake Hayner is only about six foot, so that's just something to watch there. Uh, their linebackers are, um, they bring back some guys there for, uh, as mentioned, was a guy that had quite a few tackles for them two years ago. Uh, the Bulldogs have really praised their uh, defensive secondary they've got returning. UConn on their depth chart uh, didn't name starters at three of the four positions. They've got that or there between two guys, but. Uh, I know Jake Hayner was talking about safety. Diamond Harrell's the guy that he's keeping an eye out for. and Just kind of in general, they, they have some respect for the secondary. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I still think the Bulldogs are going to have an advantage receivers-wise against these guys, but uh, it may not be quite a, as easy as uh, some of those games might have looked with the, the car and the, the receivers they had been. So, yeah, that's gonna be a, gonna be a good matchup uh, there to see what the Bulldogs can manage on offense against the their defense. Um, but on the flip side of things, how does the def- Fresno State's defense match up against uh, Connecticut's offense? Yeah, this one's really intriguing to me because the Bulldogs have really impressed on the D line, and they've really impressed in the secondary in the preseason. And the question mark we've been talking about is what, what do the guys in between look like, a linebacker and a Husky? You know, we've never seen Tyson Maeva play uh, for the Bulldogs before since he's a transfer. Uh, Lavelle Bailey is a guy that has kind of moved around, and now he's taken on a different role in this defense. And Justin Houston's a sophomore at the Husky position, with not to be confused with UConn. The, the Husky is what they call the nickelback position in this Fresno State defense. That's where uh, the sophomore Justin Houston is. So uh, um, what makes this one intriguing is that when you look at UConn, they don't really have a um, 
an established outside receiver. Um, you know, when you have a really good outside receiver, you're thinking about what your cornerbacks look like, and Fresno State should be uh, have no issues there. Uh, really, their go-to receiver is in the slot, so it's going to put Fresno State in an interesting position. Um, usually, you have your nickelback cover the slot, and for Fresno State, that's six foot five Justin Houston going up against five foot nine. UConn receiver Cam Ross. That'll be a, an interesting matchup if it comes to it. Uh, we could see Fresno State maybe try some different packages, put an extra cornerback out on the field or something to to counter that because Ross is really the, the one weapon you've got to watch out for in the passing game. And then ultimately, you know, Fresno State with its cornerbacks was pretty solid against the pass last year, not so much against the run. And uh, UConn has quite a few running backs to work with. Uh, Kevin Menza is the go-to running back. He's put up a thousand yard seasons in the past and now he's a senior. And so Fresno State has got to prove itself to be um, a good run-stopping defense. And that's really what uh, Tyson Maeva was brought in for. That's what he likes to do. Uh, he likes to fill those gaps and make big hits. And we'll see if, you know, the D-line last year was excellent and pass rush. Um, not, we, we saw at times they got a bit fatigued against the run without the depth that they probably have this year. It should be in, in better shape this year. Um, so this will be a good test for some of the question marks on Fresno State's defense. This isn't a, a UConn offense that is going to – you know it's not going to be strength versus strength. Um, they're they're going to be a balanced offense that's going to try to attack the middle where those linebackers are, whether it is the run or the pass, <clears throat> and try to get the ball into Cam Ross's hands. And – some unique ways that aren't your, your traditional passing attack on the outside. So um, there's going to be some guys that are going to be tested right out of the gates. And I think there's some Fresno State strengths that may not necessarily show itself in this particular matchup. Yeah, that should be, it should be interesting to, to see how uh, some of those question marks that the Bulldogs have progress during this game. Cause that's going to answer a lot of questions going into this season as to uh, how these players are going to do once game time rolls back around. Um, but, you know, no game can be complete without special teams, Jackson. So, you know, you're going to have to match these two teams on special teams. Uh, I know it's the least favorite subject of everybody, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes special teams win games. <laughs> so what's your take on on both of these guys? Yeah, uh, so Ross, the uh, receiver we've been talking about for UConn, he's going to be their punt returner. So um, he's a weapon, not just on offense, but on special teams too. And Fresno State is breaking in a new punter. So uh, it looks like Carson King's going to get that job. and uh, They'll be have to be pretty careful <laughs> to, uh, how they approach that one. So that is really going to be something to watch as this game goes because, you know, whenever you're a big underdog, you kind of look for – these unusual plays, special teams being one of them, or, or takeaways and turnovers. So uh, you don't want to give up uh, an easy seven on a, a punt return. Um, the other thing about UConn special teams is that uh, you know, at quarterback on their depth chart, they've got two uh, sophomores listed as or. They, they don't have an exact starter. Um, Jack Zergiotis, <laughs> I believe you pronounce it, uh, he <laughs> He started most of last year, and it's expected that he will probably start this year. And when you look at the special team, uh, they've got the other quarterback, uh, Steven Krajewski. Uh, he is listed as the holder, which is typically something that the backup quarterback would do. So a lot of people have been 
guessing that that, that might be a sign that um, Zergiotis is the guy that they're probably going to stick with. Uh, he's a, a six foot one, uh, kind of a, a balanced quarterback. So uh, that's something to look for from special teams as well. And if uh, Krajewski is the quarterback, they might have a trick up their sleeve or two with him being the holder. <laughs> if he is indeed the starting quarterback. Uh, for the Bulldogs, um, I'm interested to see some of the uh, plans they might have for kickoffs and see if they can, you know, they should have a new kickoff guy back there uh, to face the Fullers no longer with the team. And the Bulldogs would really like to get the ball just right into the end zone for touchbacks, which they haven't been able to do the last couple of years. So that would be nice to see uh, and relieve some doubts uh, for the rest of the season if uh, someone's got the leg to do that. And also on the other end for kick returns, that's something Fresno State frankly hasn't been very good at for a couple of years. And uh, we've got some second team special teams coaches in here, coordinators that uh, I think have some new plans and with the the full off season uh, have been able to implement some of those schemes. So uh, we'll see if uh, the Bulldogs potentially uh, make some explosive plays in that aspect. Yeah, that should be uh, fun to watch. I'd, I'd like to see the special teams start to get rolling again like in past years uh for the bulldogs uh used to be a strength of theirs um and it would be fun to see it it come back uh, again for the bulldogs but before we wrap this one up jackson i know it's a shorter podcast but we will uh we we can't take off without uh without basically getting your um who your top players of the game is going to be off the top of your head uh, just so that we can kind of uh, get an idea of who to look out for during these games. Uh, so, you know, offensively, um, I, I think, I don't know if Ronnie Rivers is going to have a huge game or if he's even going to be, you know, if the Bulldogs got out to a big lead, if he'll be on the field even all that much. But the fact that he's tied for the all-time touchdown record for Fresno State, and you would assume <laughs> the Bulldogs are going to score enough times for him to uh, get one of them and break the record. Uh, probably going to go down as Ronnie Rivers being one of the players of the game for sure, just for the fact of, of reaching that milestone. Um, uh, uh, Jake Hayner is going to be an easy pick just because I anticipate they're going to throw the ball around quite a bit and it's going to be tough any week for any one of these receivers to put up big numbers with as many receivers as the Bulldogs have. So uh, Hayner is going to get a lot of the uh, spotlight for that. Um, defensively, uh, I would probably go with Maeva um, if he lives up to what the Bulldogs need him to do. Again, this is a, a UConn offense that um, is a balanced one, but they would love to establish the running game and, and attack the Bulldogs in what was a weakness last year. And if Maeva can step up and uh, be the guy to um, to really change that, uh, what the Bulldogs have been struggling with for the last year, if he can do pretty much single-handedly be a big impact there, uh, that can go a long way for the Bulldogs because um, if they can slow down the running game and uh, account for Cam Ross at the slot receiver, uh, the Huskies are going to struggle um, trying to go straight up against the Bulldogs, whether it's uh, you know more of the traditional passing to the outside. It's going to be tough for them to do, I think, with who their receivers are and who the Bulldogs' cornerbacks are with um, Braylon Lux and Waylon Free. Those two guys have been really solid against uh, receivers outside of kind of the uh, elite level, which these receivers are not. And so 
if Maeva steps up, I think everything else kind of falls in place for the Bulldog defense. And then uh, special teams-wise, I'll, I'll take a leap and say Jordan Mims. He is going to return kicks for the first time. But, uh, if he has a good day, uh, it will, he'll certainly, he will certainly be noticed for it uh, in this one. And there you have it. Those are going to be the the players that Jackson thinks are going to be the players of the game for the Bulldogs. Um, and so those, those are the ones you kind of need to watch out for. Now, whether or not there might be some surprises uh, throughout the game, that is still yet to be seen because it's not out of the realm of possibility, right, Jackson? There's plenty of players on the Bulldogs that could step up and surprise people. Oh, yeah, and there's so many established guys, too. Um, you even look back at last year, Kwame Jones was a guy that had been starting games for a long time. No one probably is going to name a defensive end as the player of the game, but he came out and had, what, three or four sacks in the first half against Hawaii? So they have a lot of guys that are capable of doing that. I mean, Elijah Gates is a guy you're going to expect to have some interceptions this year. Um, I mean, all, any of the defensive ends, David Perales, he forced a bunch of fumbles with the Coverton last year, Aaron Mosby, of course. He's going to be in a little bit of a different role, not just a defensive end, but a dropping back. Um, Leonard Payne is a guy that could have a big game and not really have a lot of statistics, kind of how it boils down to defensive tackle, unfortunately, for some of those guys. So uh, defense alone, um, uh, there's going to be a, an opportunity for a, a lot of guys to step up each week. And offensively, when you talk about, there's probably eight receivers legitimately that are going to play quite a bit. And, uh, just about any of those guys could step up from week to week. So uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a, a lot of different Bulldogs to be the guy this year. But uh, probably the safe pick on a weekly basis is going to be Hayner and Rivers. So I'm sure as long as they're healthy, they're going to put up big numbers each week. Yeah, that's going to be it'll be fun to watch if, as long as they can stay healthy uh, throughout this season. And before we wrap it up, Jackson, do you got any uh, final thoughts or, or anything that you want to uh, let everybody know about the bark board uh, here coming up in the near future. Yeah, you know, I'm excited for this game. I think on paper, Fresno State should is warranted to be the heavy favorites that they are. At the same time, this is a UConn program that, um, you know, they struggled. They didn't play last year, um, but they do have a head coach in Randy Edsall who led the same program to a Fiesta Bowl just a decade ago. He's back for a second time in the program, and he's had two years to put a game plan together. So I uh, don't totally underestimate this team. Um, looking at their recruiting, they do have uh, you know, a, a team that would be on par with the Mountain West program for the most part, a lot of three-star recruits and some two-star guys. So uh, if you just look at their roster, uh, they're not too far off from some of the teams Fresno State will see on a, on a regular basis. But uh, the Bulldogs should be ready to take a, a pretty big leap forward, and this would be a good sign if they can handle this game in a, in a fairly easy fashion. Um, one other thing I would think uh, I would mention to watch out for here is that uh, the Bulldogs are going to be very careful with their four-game redshirt this year, which could include the backup quarterbacks. And if, say, all they have to do is hand the ball off for a quarter, if the Bulldogs are up way ahead, uh, they may not even enter the game. So uh, if you're scratching your head about who is or isn't on the field in the fourth quarter, keep that in mind. The Bulldogs want to have those four games available in a situation where some of those players might really be needed rather than just playing in, in quote-unquote garbage time. Uh, but otherwise, on the bark board, we've been out to practice, the press conferences, and covering everything going on. Uh, we've got 
uh, shoot, there's a 3,000 word um, report uh, on practice from Tuesday and all the, the insights that the Bulldog players discussed about this matchup and some of the last preseason items that we discussed with them. Um, we talked to Kosia Gina about going up the depth chart and that kind of stuff. So that's on the VIP board. Uh, we also got a quote on just about every Fresno State freshman and junior college edition and some of the transfers from the Bulldog coaching staff. And that was our featured piece on Wednesday. Um, and so there's, there's a lot going on on the Bark board. And, uh, that'll be the case all season long. So go check it out. There's free stories. There's free message boards. There's like 30 replies on the uh, score prediction thread. So we'd love to hear what you think the score is going to be there. Uh, just go to the Bark board and look at the forums and go to the, the free Bark board and you'll see uh, those free discussions. You're, everyone's welcome to join there and discuss free of charge. And then we've got our VIP coverage and, and insights, the breaking news that if you want to try that out, it's just a dollar for your first month, and, and you can give us a, a little trial there. Absolutely, and and I can guarantee you it's well worth it. Even if it's just a dollar, it's well worth the price. Uh, you get a lot of information uh, that you otherwise wouldn't be getting right away because um, sometimes we do report stuff uh, fairly sooner than the actual media, the local outlets do. Uh, so if you want to be one of the first people to know what's going on, uh, that is the place you want to be. Um, so that being said, if you want to reach Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. You can also go over to our Facebook page and find us there. Just do a search for Red Wave Report, or actually not Red Wave Report. Do a search for TheBarkBoard.com, and you will find our Facebook page there, 5,000 strong and growing so be a part of that community as well um and then of course as always head over to thebarkboard.com for all your latest news and updates uh i want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics